Today's sermon is pre-recorded. The message today is entitled, Abandoned. 
I was just a little boy, maybe five years old. My mother and father were moving from Bosler, Wyoming to Sharpsville, Pennsylvania. Dad was driving the Model A pickup, pulling behind it a homemade trailer. Mother was driving the 1936 Chevrolet. We were a family of five. Each of us had an assigned place. We stopped at a gas station on that journey. And I didn't know that mother and dad talked and changed where I was to be riding. And so I came out of the bathroom and I saw the Model A pickup truck begin to pull out of the gas station. And I thought they were abandoning me. With all the tear of my heart, I ran after that pickup and I made a leap for the running board. I missed. I rolled under the truck and the rear tires went over my legs. Mom and Dad heard me crying out. Stopped the truck before the trailer rolled over me, too. Picked me up. Loaded me in the, in the Chevrolet. And we went on down the highway. I didn't know if my leg or legs were broken. They didn't either. They figured if I walked, they weren't, and if I didn't, they were. They had no time to go to a hospital. We were moving. I know the terror of abandonment. Many years later, I would stand at the front door of my home with a daughter under each arm. And watch. As the love of my life left with another man. Do you know what it means to be abandoned? Do you know the sorrow and the heartache, the tears, being left? Of not being considered important enough to be 
remembered as a part of family. The first question a stranger has when they come into a new group of people is, do I fit here? Is there a place for me here? Because the tear of our hearts is that there's not a place here for me. I sat in a restaurant this last week, Friday night. At a table by myself. I watched couples come. I watched families come. I watched their interaction. Some were spicy and angry. Some were intimate and kissing. They were together. It meant something that they were together. And it meant something that I was sitting at a table by myself. They said I was not a part of family. Now, there are many people there that I love and who love me, but they were serving the tables. I finally got up, and I simply left. I didn't want to be there anymore. There wasn't a place for me there. I wasn't family. There isn't anything more precious than family. Today in our culture, we rip families apart without a second thought. We kill our babies. We thoughtlessly throw aside trust. In God's eyes, there's not anything more important than family. The scriptures tell us that if a man mistreats his wife, God won't hear his prayers. That's how important family is to God. Yell at your wife, God's gone. Mistreat her, God's gone. Now, it doesn't say that about the wife. The wife can mistreat the husband and God's not gone. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say that. You know why? I don't have to explain that one. Wives, don't yell at your husbands. Be merciful. Be kind. 
We're learning. We're a work in progress. I had a dream this last week that's just stayed with me. I was beside a river, a mighty rushing river in full flood stage, destructive, dangerous, fast moving, welling up and splashing. And the little piece of land I was on was soon going to be overcome with the rushing water, and I was going to be swept away. I stood looking. I began to cry out to God. Suddenly I saw a bridge that had not been there before. From where I was, up over that water. I quickly, with great fear, began to cross that bridge. The water was all around, threatening. I made it to the other side in higher ground. Suddenly the whole dream changed, you know, as dreams will. And now there was a stream running very gently, very slowly, crystal clear. And I saw the strangest thing. I was looking down. And I saw this man walking. He was about five inches tall. And he was in a white robe. I bent over to look at him. I thought, you know, I'm going to pick that man up. So he got to the water and he kept walking under the water. I reached down and I picked the man up. And as I picked it up, he, he changed. He became a crèche, became a a little barnyard scene. Baby Jesus in a manger. wise men, but instead of farm animals, there was a lion and a bear and rabbits. I was holding this in my hands, just small, made of metal, looking at it, saying, what is this? And I woke up. I said, Lord, I don't understand this dream. Please talk to me plainly. Don't speak to me in riddles and rhymes. What are you what are you saying to me? And all week long I've been struggling with this issue of abandonment. I've been praying about it. I've been struggling with it. I've been talking to the Lord about it. And I realized that in my life There's been a 
a rushing river, flood stage. After Jan died, my whole world was transformed. And it's been threatening to just wash me away. But the Lord has made a way of escape for me. And it's found in that little crèche. It's found in that manger with Jesus. He is my bridge. He is my escape. Literally. I'm not speaking here spiritually. I'm saying literally, he is my escape. I went to the scriptures where I've been struggling all week. Luke, the 15th chapter, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. He abandoned his father. He thought his father was overbearing. He thought his father was unfair. He thought his father was trying to prevent him from having a happy life. He thought his father was showing favoritism to his older brother. He was just angry. He didn't like the lifestyle he was living. He didn't like that he couldn't go to town when he wanted to go to town. He wanted his life. And to get his life, he was willing to abandon his family. And now a rushing stream comes. Now the flood comes. It comes in the form, the King James puts it as a mighty famine. A severe famine. He's abandoned his family. He's broken his father's heart. He's torn his family apart. He's broken fellowship with his brother. He's now gone to the prostitutes, to the carnal living. He's given himself to every pleasure. He's not withstood any temptation. There's no righteousness in his life. He is given over to darkness. And the mighty famine comes. The rushing waters come. He needs a bridge out. And his bridge out is a job. Here's the issue. This young man could have been in the far country in the city, and he could have gone to church. 
but he still wasn't with his family. He still abandoned his family. He still broke his father's heart. He can do every wicked thing he chooses to do. He can go the way of darkness. He can have the money. Still abandoned. So he gets a job. You know, that's always the answer, isn't it? Get a job. Money is the answer. All you need is money. You can do whatever you want if you have enough money. The problem is the money he's earning is not enough to pay for the rent on his house and buy food. So he would rather not be homeless. He would rather have a place to live. But he's starving to death. Now, let me try to pull some loose ends in. He's abandoned his father. He's broken relationship with his brother. He's determined he will take what his father had and he'll go live the way he wants to live. He'll have it his way. And then the famine comes. Now he knows that the answer to the famine is go get a job. But the job doesn't cover what he needs. What would have happened if the job had covered all of his expenses and allowed him to go on living the way he wanted to live? He would never have done what the scriptures say he did next. It says he came to his senses. You don't come to your senses when everything is covered. You don't come to your senses when you have enough food, you have enough for your lifestyle, you can get the car, you can take care of responsibilities, you have everything covered, there's no reason to come to your senses, but that doesn't mean you haven't abandoned the Father. So we have a nation today who has abandoned God, who has taken God out of the public square, but we still can borrow money so we have enough money to cover. So all this week there's been a big debate about how are we going to raise the debt ceiling so we can borrow more money. Did you know that over 40 cents of every dollar the U.S. government spends is borrowed money? Borrowed money. Have you ever done that? I did. God got me into a corner where I couldn't get the job and my wife couldn't get the job. And we ran out of money 
and all we had was plastic credit cards. So we bought the groceries on the card. And then the bill came due, and we had to borrow on another card to pay that bill. But we didn't stop eating, so we kept buying. And then the rent came due, so we borrowed for the rent. And then the car payments came, and we paid for the car payments. And pretty soon we had five or six credit cards, and each was paying for the other credit card. The problem is no debt was getting paid. It just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper until we were over $70,000 in credit card debt without jobs, with no income. And at that point, we couldn't borrow any more, and the great flood came, the famine came. And at that point, all I could do was lay on my face before God and cry out to him. And as I lay on my face before God, many, many hours, 10, 15, 18 hours a day, laying on the floor, weeping before God because we were going to be kicked out of the house, repoed the cars, utilities turned off, no food in the house, hungry, saying, God, I'm going to lay on this floor before you until either they come and scrape me off the floor dead or you answer. I'm not leaving until you tell me what to do. It went on for what seemed days, but as I would lay before God day after day in prayer, I could see something very distinctly in my spirit It was a fence. The fence that kept me from the throne of God. I couldn't get through to God. I was fenced out of the throne room of heaven, so my prayers were not able to get through. I continued just day after day, crying out before God, starving. We used the ketchup to make the last soup, tomato soup. We ate all the condiments. Have you ever been in this place where you're going to starve to death? There is no food. There is nothing. You're at the absolute end. It's over. There's nobody you can tap for any more money. The credit cards are maxed. Judgments are coming against you for your bad credit. And God spoke. I cried out to him. Screaming at the top of my voice. In the prayer closet. I'm going to die. And he said, good, I've been waiting for you to die. He said it audibly like I'm saying it. Good, I've been waiting for you to die. And all the rage and anger of my soul rose up. How can you say that to me, God? Scared me. 
But I was so overcome. God, how can you say that? You've seen what I've been through for you. He said, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. And everything in me just crumbled, melted. I said, Lord, what do you want? And he said, will you receive from my hand only what I choose to give you? And I said, yes. Have you abandoned God? Are you in a far country? Is there a fence between you and God so that when you pray, you have no confidence that he'll answer your prayers? If God doesn't answer your prayers, it's because you have abandoned him. You have left him. And you figure you don't need him. You figured you have a way to take care of business on your own. You can get a job. You can go to the doctor. You can do whatever you need to do because you know if you pray, nothing's going to happen. Have you abandoned God? When you pray, does something happen in the physical realm that transforms because you prayed? If not, you've abandoned God. Do you have the ability to reach the throne room of God, or are you fenced out? If you have been fenced out of the throne room of God, it's because there is abandonment in your heart, and you have separated from God. Or perhaps you were never a part of what God is doing or who he is. Maybe you grew up with a parent who had abandoned God, and so now you've just joined on the journey of abandonment. Separated. Cut off. Are you just surviving? Or are you right in the presence of God where he answers you? And moves with power when you cry out to him. Will he answer you when you pray? Do you have authority to pray for the lost in your family and see them one to Jesus? When you need finances, do you have the authority to go into the throne room of God and receive what you need? This young man came to his senses. That means he woke up one morning and said, why am I doing this? The servants in my father's house have plenty of food, and here I am. I'm starving to death. They won't even let me have some of the pig food to eat. I'm starving. They're not paying me enough to survive, but in my father's house, the servants are well fed. 
they have food left over. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to tell my father, I don't deserve to be your son because I abandoned you. Could I just be a servant in your household? And with the last of his strength, he headed home. And while he was still a long distance off, his father saw him coming. The only way his father could see him coming is that he'd been looking for him for a long time. He'd been constantly watching the road for the sign of his son's coming. The father quickly ran to meet his son. The son falls down in the dirt and says, Oh, Dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. May I be a servant in your household? And he's lifted up and a robe is put around him, sandals on his feet, a ring on his hand. And they kill the fatted calf. Why? Because this son who was lost is found. This son who abandoned his family is brought back. Family is restored. Oh, but not so fast. There's an older brother. He comes in. What's the sound I hear? He asks a servant. Oh, your brother's home. Your dad killed a fatted calf. There's a party for your brother. And rage rises up in his heart. Now, it's going to be shown that he abandoned his father just like the prodigal son did. He just didn't leave home to do it. Do you know you can abandon your family without leaving them? You can abandon the father without stopping attending church. You can in your heart begin to say, God is a taskmaster. He's unfair. Look at all that I've done and how I've been treated and it's not right. I'm not recognized. I'm not, I'm not given the credit for my hard work. It's all useless anyway. Why am I doing this? Look at what they're getting. Look at how they're being received. Here I am, unappreciated. Oh, there's nothing that will cause you to abandon your father faster than to think you're unappreciated. Some people go to church. They get mad at the pastor because the pastor didn't talk to them. is that astonishing? Feel unappreciated. Because when you come here, you're supposed to be fawned over. No. The father was the head of a farm. There was farm work to do. And every morning breakfast was on the table. And every Sunday, dinner is on the table here. Every Wednesday night, dinner is on the table. There's work on the farm to be done. But this elder brother, he abandons the father 
while he stays there physically because he says, I have slaved for you. And you didn't even give me a goat. I was raised on a farm. And when I was a boy on the farm, I thought everything was just work. And I hated it. I hated hoeing the corn. I hated thinning the carrots. I didn't mind picking the tomatoes because I could throw some at my brothers. The rotten ones. They had a nice splat sound when they hit. I didn't mind even going and getting the eggs. Because if I found some rotten eggs, they were useful. But I hated the work. But you know what I did? I disconnected picking the raspberries from eating the raspberry jam that I love so much. I didn't know that picking the raspberries and eating the raspberry jam were somehow connected. I missed that. I didn't know that the cornbread was somehow connected to hoeing the corn. How did I miss that? I was a farm boy, but somehow I thought food just magically appeared. And I didn't connect farm work and eating. Now, why wouldn't I do that? Just dumb. Not very smart. Do you understand today, sitting in the church, this is eating the raspberry jam. This is eating the cornbread. This is enjoying the food of the word. Have you disconnected that from walking righteous before God? From serving him through the week? reading the scriptures at least 10 pages a day. I'd like to say 10 chapters a day. Have you disconnected that from turning off the entertainment of the world? From turning aside from worldliness? Have you disconnected the enjoyment of fellowship with brothers and sisters In church, have you disconnected that from the sacrifice day by day of walking in holiness before God? Or do you see God as a slave master, unfair, always trying to get something away from you, take something that you like away from you? I was so foolish when I was a a young man I said to my dad, 
because he was always saying, Ray, Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. And I'd say, does that mean I am never going to get married? Well, I don't think you're going to ever be old, old enough to get married. Ray, I think Jesus is coming before that will happen. I'd say, well, I don't want Jesus to come before I get married. I want to have a family. How dumb. How dumb. There are things we have to connect. And when we disconnect them, we abandon God. God made marriage so that he could give us a kindergarten lesson on what it's like to be married to him. He didn't give us marriage to be an end in itself. He just gave it to us to run us through the first and second grade so we could begin to know who he is and what he's like. He gives us the discipline of the reading of Scripture and prayer and fasting at least one day a week. He gives us these disciplines so that we'll learn a little bit about our own heart so that we can walk with him in righteousness. He asks us to close the doors in our life with wickedness so that we can have fellowship with him. The great flood came in my life, and there was a single bridge built by God so I wouldn't get washed away. There was a famine in this young man's life, so he'd come to his senses and go back home. What's terrifying to me is if there's never a flood, then you don't need the bridge. Or if there's never a famine, because then you never come to your senses. Going to heaven means going through the flood and going through the famine and coming to our senses. I thought when I was young that by the time I was old, I would be wise. I've learned that wisdom does not come with age. Just more foolishness comes with age. There has to be some point in your life where you come to your senses. Where you recognize that Adam and Eve abandoned God and took a journey. And we as their children 
were taken on that journey of darkness where we too have abandoned God. And as long as we have a job and we have our stuff and we have the people around us, we can forget about the abandonment until we're ready to die. And that's the final flood. And that's the final famine. Do you know how to reach God? How many days, how many months would you have to travel in order to get to God for him to answer your prayer? Would you starve to death before you could get to God? Would you die of disease before you could get to God? Is there a fence between you and God? Have you abandoned God? And only you know the answer to that in your heart. I've been very tempted to abandon God. I've had some days when I've gotten up in the morning and I've said, I'm not going to read scripture today. And God, I don't feel much like talking to you today. I'm not proud about that, but that's reality. My heart was too sore and too hurting, and I just didn't want to talk to him. Because I was afraid if I talked to him, he'd just tell me something I didn't want to hear. And then for a time, I accused him of abandoning me. Why have you done this to me, God? Why have you left me like this, God? How could you treat me this way, God? But always, surely, sometimes slowly and sometimes quickly, the Holy Spirit has come and comforted my heart. And said to me, come to your senses, Ray. Come to your senses. I didn't do this to you. The devil did. Will you trust me? Will you put yourself in my hands? Will you let me do with your life what I want to do with it? Isn't that the promise you made me, Ray? That you would be a blank check, and I could spend you as I chose. And as soon as I say yes, I'm not going to abandon you, God. The fence is down. The access to the throne room is restored. The anger is put away. The bitterness is dropped. The hurt is wiped away, and joy rises up in my heart, and I can live again. Have you abandoned God? 
Have you abandoned him for your entertainment? Have you abandoned him for another person? Have you abandoned him for money? Is there a fence between you and God? Will you be swept away by the flood? Will you starve in the famine? Or are you held in the hands of God? Almighty King, Lord of my life, I will not abandon you. I will not go to the far city. And I will not accuse you of being a slave master. I am yours. To be spent as you choose or to not be spent at all. Have your way, Lord. You see the brokenness of my heart. I know my heart can only be healed in your presence. I will not abandon you or your people. Lord, I humble myself before you. I know I'm not worthy to be your son. But I thank you for the robe and the sandals and the party. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Come join us at nationalprayerchapel.com. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless. Before the presence of His glory With great joy With great joy Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling And to present you blameless Before the presence of His glory
from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. 